0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek when cleaning up tenons. Mark, Shannon, and Mad. Hey everybody, it's show number hey, five, fifty-four. hey Matt, hey Shannon, wow, hey, off to a good start. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> well on today's show we're talking about hand saws for hybrids, sounds like a good book, I like oh. allergic reactions to Rubio, epoxy butterfly inlay- inlays and in any woods that you might want to avoid in the barbecue, but before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler, Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card To one lucky Wood Talk listener You can enter for your chance to win Before July 31st at rockler.com Slash Wood Talk
3: And If you want to help support the show You can do so by going to patreon.com Slash And signing up to become a patron of the show This time we're thanking Brooke Appler
2: And SD Houston Oh yeah Thank you guys really appreciate it. Support is so fun to see. Thank you, Mark. Thanks thanks for being here. Thank you, Shannon, for being here, too. Thank you guys for showing up. (laughs) Thanks for always doing the hard work, putting in the time once a month. (laughs) Speaking of putting in the time once a month, uh, we're going to take a break. We're not. (laughs) We're not going to put that time in. Uh, This is the last show for this month, right? We're finishing up uh, June at this point. Uh, July we are taking some time off I'm going on an extended vacation and it would be difficult and not very fun to try to record the show on the go so yeah, I want to do it you guys are busy you know everybody's busy doing family stuff and sweating and sweating? all that fun stuff so you're probably <laughs> sweating <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want us in your ears while you're sweating you're busy sweating it's not worth it but well, yeah we'll be back in August this is not an extended thing it'll sure uh, just be will. one month we'll be or back won't we? and, or uh, maybe is, we uh, won't wink wink we have a reputation and uh you never know <laughs> it's been a while since we've quit so it is know.
3: it's true people are kind of expecting that yeah
2: we should quit just like old times <laughs> okay. quitting for a month <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh all right well i lost my train of thought because somebody just texted me crap Perfect. okay wrap up the show let's get out of here all right just read we'll the see text. You in august <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing a what's on the bench now because we skipped that last show uh and and uh shannon we kind of covered your what's on the bench because yeah, your discussion was going to be plywood and yeah. hand sawing, right yeah i got nothing so we're not leaving we're not excluding you just you know for no reason <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I won't be offended. I promise. Okay. So other people might on your behalf, though. So you never know. All right, well, that's true. Um, you got some pretty passionate fans. I used mm-hmm. a pocket hole joiner. There we go. All those people who were like, "Yeah, it is messy and slow using power tools." Those people. <laughs> yeah, they're all angry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I finished that sideboard, the one that would never end. Uh, yeah, right. It did finally end, and I Man. was glad. I was glad to see it. I was glad to see it go. It was pretty. Uh, I like so. It. Yeah. Hey, cat, shush, doing a show. Uh, so that thing is completely done. Nicole was happy with it. It's in a dining room uh, looking pretty good and all loading down with stuff. So that's exciting. Uh, and also speaking of Nicole, it seems like that's all I do anymore is make stuff for her. Uh, I because wonder be wondering where that is, is going. How make <laughs> that's all I do. Hmm. <laughs> I'm making her a uh, walk-in closet. So I think uh, yeah, uh, that we're calling it now. Yeah. Uh, how dare you, sir. Um, I'm pretty sure I talked about the, the closet falling apart yes. in the house. Right. Yeah. So we talked about that before. That, yes. Uh, so I did tell her, you know, cause I, I don't, if you guys ever priced out like a built-in closet, even the ones from like the companies where you go, you kind of design it. There's some preset selections. You just kind of put in dimensions uh, pick with you what drawers or what, what you want there. Um, even those get really expensive, um, on the order of like for the cheap ones, seven, $8,000 mm-hmm. for something like that on a smaller side of things. Um, so I'm like, you know, for that price, um, of course I discounting my labor and my time I could build it myself cheaper.
3: Well,
1: I could build it wah. cheaper.
3: I've got a shop. How it's going to look, I'm
2: not going to say I'm, um, I'm not going to get frustrated and really regret the decision, but I will say it will be cheaper if I don't value my time. <laughs> so you never there's do. that. Uh, do you, um, so I actually, do,
1: do you know? You and maybe, or maybe you don't want to talk about it. I don't know. Maybe you've already talked about it. What are you paying per sheet now out there?
2: Okay. Well, I will say that I have not done my due diligence in calling around to the mm-hmm. various places I have. I've heard there are cheaper places but this was, there is a place that I know that seemed like close enough. It was comfortable to go to there and get what I needed. So I just went there. So, with that caveat, what I paid was $160 a sheet. Okay. Cherry. Was was cherry, right? a cherry. Cherry, right? Mm-hmm. Cherry A face. Cherry. Is it a cabinet an AA grade panel or AB? Uh, panel? I don't know.
1: Probably an AA because you want both sides pretty.
2: Oh, look, I'll apply with terminology and beetle. Sorry, sorry. Um, I would call it AB actually uh okay. because the insides do have some fairly obvious like sap wood in the the patterning okay that is very there is very clearly a better face than the other so i would assume is it
1: it's uh is it slip match face or rotary cut
2: uh slip match
1: okay 160 that's not bad look. it's not bad i was just to say if you like i love when people are like well if i call around i'll find this panel cheaper it's like yeah it's not the same panel yeah, but it might not you. be the same thing, right? It's Who 140 else? It's not $20 cheaper. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I did a little rant on that on a recent lumber update because it's like there's no such thing as a deal on an, yeah. on an engineered product. <laughs> it's you a know? cheaper
2: panel because it's a cheaper panel. Right.
1: It's because they they <laughs> laid the glue on thinner. They, you know, use newspaper instead of glue, yeah. you know. Right. Or applies. Newspaper mm-hmm. instead of applies for the Chinese stuff.
2: Right. Anyway, 160 yeah, exactly. yeah, that sounds about right. Nice. But, you know, at that price, I bought 10 sheets. I might need one more um, to just finish things off. Uh, but at that price, I'm still, I'm I'm going to estimate I'll probably be in this thing maybe $2,500 in materials. <clears throat> so, again, not counting my time. For the quality that she's going to get, like, that's significantly cheaper. Sure. Um, I don't even know what it would cost to hire someone to build it at that quality level. Most of the stuff that you would get if you're getting them made, it's just particle board. It's all, you know, fairly run-of-the-mill type materials. So uh, hopefully in the end, it'll be a better closet. She'll be happy with it. And we will have technically saved money. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> I think where a so, lot
1: of those get you, not get you, but where the, the line item that often gets over, overlooked is the hardware. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you've got mm-hmm. doors, drawers, you know, well, you guys, I mean, you know what Bloom drawer hardware costs, but oh, then yeah. like the good ones, Jeez! the the knobs and the hinges, I mean, things like um, uh, Euro hinges I don't, this is still the generic name for those things. I mean, they're expensive. And mm-hmm. when you get like 40 of them in there and then all of the like stainless steel, like hang bars, well, they're not really stainless steel, but, you know, chrome plated, whatever the heck they are. That stuff is super expensive. They be like 30, 40
2: bucks a piece for some of these. Yeah,
1: like a lot of high-end cabinetry. That's the thing that I've just started to kind of discover through um, the millwork house we have is like, we'll we'll build, you know, a a closet or a kitchen or something like that. And like, there's the cost of the lumber, the plywood and things like that. Generally, the hardware costs are at least 40% more than the Mm -hmm. wood. It's crazy how much some of that stuff costs.
2: Well, fortunately, she wants mostly shelf storage And hanging rods. So that's like the Hmm. vast majority of it. There are no doors. There are no hinges Um, on the one side. We're going to have kind of a chest of drawers and there actually, I take that back. There will be doors on an upper section above that chest of drawers that will be built into an alcove. Um, So there will be some, but the vast majority of the big eight foot sections, that's all just like open storage areas and shelving. So pretty straightforward there. Uh, But yeah, we'll see how that goes. That'll keep me busy. Oh, and I'm also doing, uh, finally getting to that hard wax oil test, uh, which is testing five brands uh, (laughs) of two-part hard wax oils. (laughs) And boy, did we go at it today. (laughs) Uh It's interesting. It's interesting. And uh, we had, uh, we're doing like visual tests just to see like which one looks better. It's interesting. There is one out of this group that stands apart from the rest in terms of like once you put on that. Two coats, and that's kind of what we're doing, two coats for everything. You put on that second coat, one of them looks dramatically glossier than the rest. And does that make it better? I don't think so in terms of durability, but it does make it look better. (laughs) So Hmm. um, it's really interesting to see because I figured they'd all just kind of look the same. Um, Initial testing was done today for durability. And uh, I mean, in the beginning of this, I kind of thought to myself, look, these are all going to be the same. Chemically, (laughs) they're all very similar. There's not a whole lot different going on. Um, but the durability test so far, that has proven true. No matter what they look like, I'm seeing that none of them are very protective. <laughs> so. <laughs> surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. The <laughs> results are probably going to be kind of boring because if you're really worried about protection, <laughs> use something else. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it's going to come down to. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a little early. All right, we still got some testing oh, to do. Several
3: people told me to use one of those products on my floor.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I have I have children. I don't. Yeah. That, I have zero. I have zero interest in any of those products. I mean, look, there are reasons you could get away with it. Right. If you but you're going to have to really test that repairability. <laughs> not not in this family. We couldn't. No, no. Freaking yeah, way. Well, you like sanding floors, so you could just fix it anytime you need to. Well,
3: that's the problem is like it's an entryway. so like you're tracking sand in literally yeah. <laughs> it's going to get sanded. Right.
2: Via your feet. Right. There you yeah. go. I did uh, I did some like comparisons to my varnish test that I did, and there were tests that all of the varnishes failed, like specific testes, tests for like scratches. Um, if you write with a pen on the surface, does that leave mm-hmm. a mark in there? And they all failed that. So I'm sitting here going like, well, what kind of durability testing can I do? that would make any difference. Like why, if it failed on a varnish, why the heck would I even think to do it on this? I'm not testing the durability of the finish in that case. I'm testing the durability of the wood. Right. The jank yeah. of hardness of the wood is what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm falling short here is the durability test. I'm not even sure what I can do that would be meaningful for something like this because they are any durability test I can think of. They're all going to fail.
1: You know? It doesn't really matter. People just want to see you hit things with a big mallet. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, <laughs> they just, just want to see me run in. a
2: steak knife across it and just scratch it out. Pretty up. much. That's what it's there for. It's like, I mean, that's yup, the whole reason I'm going to do
1: I'm going to just yeah, like, surprise. you know, s- <laughs> just scroll to the point where you start banging on it with a sledgehammer yeah. or well, something. Well,
2: let, let me give yeah. away one thing that I did. I attached to my drill press this little foam pad, right? So it's nice and fixed in a position. I set it so every time I plunge down, it's got a fixed distance to travel, so it's applying the same amount of pressure, and then I just change the thing that's in contact with the wood sample. So if I did something like a paper towel, I did that and I set it for like 500 RPMs, held it for a minute straight, nothing happens. So if it's soft, if there's no grit involved, it just polishes and burnishes the surface and actually makes it look a little bit better. If I put anything that has a degree of grit to it, a maroon Scotch-Brite pad, um, just a couple other things that we tried and my desperation to get a result, um, if it has <laughs> grit, it goes right through it because <laughs> there's yeah. nothing there. You, you go right to wood um, because there's no thick layer on top of there. So I can't find anything that simulates you know, in a way simulates the walking in socks on a floor for 10 years or the, you know, let's say you put it on a table, the cleaning of the table, you wash it down, you eat on it again, you clean it again, you eat on it again, you clean it again. Like that kind of wear and tear, that's really hard to simulate. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. So I'm kind of stuck when it comes to that durability thing. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking the moral to the story is, you know, wrong finish. If you're that worried about the durability, you pick the wrong one. (laughs) So anyway, it'll be fun.
1: What about the it's on you. Like the
2: repairability though. Like That's going to come in. We've we have damage. I mean that has to be easier than varnish. So, so look, we did we did a bunch of liquid tests. Um you know, wet exposure tests and I was going to do a short term 15 minutes and then a long term overnight. I don't even know that I'm going to bother with the overnight because all of them failed in various ways in 15 minutes. <laughs> ah, nice all right right so right. Uh,
1: so, the, so the fact is they're easy to repair but you're gonna have to do it a lot so. yeah
2: Meh. and i mean that's the thing if you're talking about the scale of a floor you know these little scuff marks and things it just adds to the character of the floor um it's going to repel you know moisture so that if you drip it there yeah you're going to want to uh, clean that up really quickly because within 15 minutes i have noticeable yeah, marks if, to deal with kids don't clean the things up no right they certainly away. don't but you ain't. Yeah, so that's I mean, what they have you for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, well, I know. It's, it's your for, job, man. For me, like to notice it. <laughs> right. But they I mean, uh, three hours ago. Well, and the problem is, I don't want to sell there. these things like as worthless because I use them. I actually like these finishes. <laughs> they are not worthless. That sounds like some. Bias no, they're not. Me. They're. I don't, <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not really worthless. But you have to know what they are, and you have to know what they are not. This is why people are coming up with other things to put on top of them, like ceramic coatings Mm -hmm. to try to add some true durability to the surface. Um, So it's just
1: so interesting because they were all really they started as flooring finishes. Mm -hmm. That was their whole like mission in life. And I never understood that because it's like it. Goes against everything
2: that I know about finishing. The thing in, in is, that application. If it's a good floor, it's made from a very dense species. It's made from something that is a hard wearing yeah. species, and a hard wearing species doesn't need any help other than let's stop liquids from penetrating. Right, anything that spills, we want to be able to you know clean the surface and mop it up. So if we want to do that in a way that's no VOC, that the owners can still be home when you're doing the work. You don't like gas them out of the place. You want all those things to happen, and you want to be safe. You know, fairly safe for the environment and for you. This is an option, and this is the kind of stuff. I believe all of this kind of came out of Europe, so it's a good option for things like that. If the wood itself is durable enough, you know. But I think what we do a lot of times traditionally here in the U.S. is, no matter what the wood is made from, we cake plastic on top of it, right, to make it even more durable. And it is, it is. But if something goes wrong on that floor. Good luck repairing it. You know, the repairability is just nil at that point. You got to usually get a professional to come out and do some kind of a spot repair. So I don't know. It's not valueless. It's just not what a lot of people think it is. And uh, hopefully this test will kind of substantiate that to some degree. So anyway, enough about that. Matt, <laughs> what you doing? Oh, man. <laughs> what you doing? Oh,
3: <laughs> I, um, let's see. We, uh, we, we made the trim for the great room and for the new office, so we made all of the, the window trim stuff. I don't Is there like an actual word for like the whole casing? Case. The whole, like everything is casing. casing? When I got actually yeah. the, the side casings, the head casing, mm-hmm. the sill, I got an apron. I've got a head casing cove. I've got an apron cove. We've got a casing, head mm-hmm. casing bead.
2: Mm-hmm. It's pretty. And amazing. I got the jams.
3: I Jam. Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah, it's very nice. Is pertinent. kind of a lot. So that was all made out of uh, poplar. And that was the first time ever dealing
2: with poplar. Really? Yeah. Really? You strike it a, me as a poplar man. I would have thought you'd I, go you way know, back with poplar. I don't. I don't. We don't have many memories together. <laughs> it's interesting together.
1: considering you you pretty much saw all your wood and you'd never go to lumberyards. So I guess I could
3: see that. Yeah, I don't really. Do you not have a lot of poplar trees up there? Not really.
2: Don't Aren't you more of a silver maple kind of guy. I am. I do like that stuff. It's quite nice. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool, though. Well, the trim looks great. Um, I saw that video. So, what are your thoughts?
1: I don't like Like, it. Or at least the stuff I got (laughs) on poplar.
3: (laughs) I don't like it. I don't know. It was too stringy? No, it was dusty.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, where'd where'd you get the poplar? Not a lumberyard. So, why didn't you use some of the stuff you have? I don't have 16 footers. Oh yeah okay
3: therein lies the rub and like you <laughs> know nice boards already pre-primed and ready to go and
2: mm-hmm. okay
3: s to forest
2: that's what you get for buying wood instead of using your own
3: well i think i don't do it that <laughs> often but <laughs> but when you I do gotta it try this it's one gonna time. be popular was the, the fun part was that our architects expect sizes that don't correlate to boards are like one by mm. sizes oh, okay so the casings are four inches and the aprons are, I not know, the head casing is six. Okay. Hmm. So we got one by eights and yeah. one by sixes God,
1: and ripped them all. So much waste. Oh, well, not no. really. So much waste. Not really because well, I have habits to make
3: now. So now yeah, I have all yeah, the face yeah, frame stock already go. ripped and ready to go. Look at you. Yeah,
1: Look at
2: that. That's that's Magic. A, that's
1: an architect unfamiliar with the term value engineering, right there. <laughs> well, it's that half Oof. inch that makes a difference,
2: you know. Are you prone yeah. to just go? Well, I know he wrote that down, but like, I'm going to change it.
3: No, because I spent a lot of money.
2: <laughs> yes. For them to tell me what to do, <laughs> the
3: principle. So of you'll be I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. <laughs> okay. Or else, why did I pay them?
2: Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. <laughs> That's where that one's at. Okay. Good deal. Nice. All right. Well, let's get to some kickback. We got quite a few here. Um, who put Monty's in there?
1: I did. So this is this is all really in reference to Mark and, and the weird trim that he's got in <laughs> yeah. his house and weird things people have done. So Monty said that uh in their house, well, first of all, in his uh wife's house when, when they got married, she already at home. And there were several instances where there were children's drawings, like taped to like a wall. Oh. And when they took the drawing off, they found a fist-sized <laughs> hole behind. Oh no! The <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's yeah. that. And then in his um, his basement shop, uh, he got the basement to turn into a wood shop and he was kind of renovating it. And it had a drop ceiling. And when he went like to to mess with the grid take the panels out it turns out that the grid was electrified because the guy had done his own electric work and the wires the live wires had come into contact with the grid (laughs) so he was basically (laughs) on a ladder and he got such a shock that it like knocked him to the floor so yeah good stuff that's That's a fun scary that is real
2: scary then you gotta really be nervous about everything in that space Everything. Yes, everything in the house, right? Yes. Good golly. Yeah. What am I going to touch like, next and die from? Why is this GF
1: breaker always <laughs>
3: tripped? Don't reset <laughs> it. Oh, <laughs> there's gosh. a reason. I guess be luckiest you have any in that house.
1: I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, a, that's a big F probably.
3: Uh, all right, this one is from John. Probably the most absurd is the bathroom vanity he made with gun parts and epoxy, but the most annoying is a tie between apparently never having heard of caulk Seriously, nothing at all. The entire house had cock mm. <clears throat> and insulating the crawl space and putting the insulation backwards. Vapor <laughs> barrier towards the bottom of the floor. Hmm. Vapor mm. barrier towards the warm nice. side.
2: All right. Well, maybe that's just how we liked it. Jeez. No, who knows? Maybe he's planning on heating the crawl space. Could be. Could be where there he went go. to concentrate. You never know. Yeah. Okay, got a kickback from Alex that's in the form of a voicemail. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon, this is Alex the Meme Machine Adams, and I was responding to a recent episode where you had asked about predictions on what trends may fall out of favor in the future, and I don't know if I have a good answer for that, but I do think I've discovered the secret to how Mark has been able to do well for so long, and I think it's the fart jokes, because a good, well-timed fart joke is timeless. So anyway, I hope you'll agree with my theory. And until next time, thanks for not knitting. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. I was holding that in the entire time. Wait, am I still recording? Right. I was going to say.
1: Uh, well done, Alex. <laughs> I was going to say, I used to think I knew Alex and he was not going to leave a fart joke noise in there. But now, no, I know him after all. Way to go. All yeah, in.
2: probably true. Yeah. Fart jokes never get old. At least for me, they don't. All right. So normally, uh, second show of the month, we typically do our dining table discussion, uh, but we're not forcing it. If we don't have anything to put in there, we're going to do something else. And today it's uh, oops, all questions day. So let's uh, <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> let's just do some more questions. <laughs> Matt, okay. I think you're first here. OK, I
3: it would appear that you have assigned me the first question I have all right, it's from Steve. <laughs> uh, OK, questions on the next page. My church has some oak tables that have cracks in the tops. I would like to repair them with a butterfly joint, but then I was thinking I could fill the butterfly with epoxy instead of using a wooden inlay. Would the epoxy fill be strong enough to stop the crack from spreading? Hmm. I would assume, I would say it depends how big that, that bow tie is in the middle. I said say probably. I think the hardest part about this is going to be keeping the epoxy from seeping out into the rest of the crack through the thickness there. Right. Right. I don't know how you would, yeah. you would really do that easily.
2: Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, like I mean, if, if you if you make it an inlay, you know, you run some tape under the bottom of the table, but along yeah. the sides, yeah, that's like I don't right know. where the you, well, right you, where you it fill it with, with more crack. epoxy. I guess you just keep pouring an epoxy. I, I mean, until what you could do is it. fill
3: the crack
2: and your fake butterfly, and just have right. one giant epoxy thing, and you have your little river table ever.
1: ever A river table didn't
2: um, John Hmm. wasn't John Malecki that made plywood dovetails at some point? Someone actually intentionally made like a board with dovetails just one hundred percent epoxy. Why? Uh, Well, because well, come on, (laughs) it's YouTube. The answer, the answer (laughs) to why is because it's YouTube. (laughs) But regardless, it still does beg the question: Could there be any strength there, (laughs) or or is that silly?
1: I don't know. I always just think of epoxies being super brittle, like. And if it really were meant to like, like, I think from a crack perspective, you know, there's really not a lot of dynamic force there, so it might be okay. But I also wonder, like, the cracks have happened, like, they're probably done. Yeah, I mean, if (laughs) it's
2: stabilized, to say they're going to expand I think that might be something that happens a lot, right? People are putting these butterflies in to cracks because they think they should, and ultimately, the thing is probably stable and not going anywhere anyway. (laughs) So it'll right. The crack's already there. It's released its tension. It's good now. Okay. I want to go to just plain Bob's question here. Uh, He says, Mark, I heard you mention once that you often burn scraps in your stick burner to get the fire going and make good coals. My fire pit recently gave up the ghost and I migrated to the metal recycler. (laughs) Are there any woods you avoid starting fires with in your barbecue pit? I no, I mean, anything goes as far as species for at least the things that I use. Um, these are not the woods I'm actually, typically my my uh, food is not on the smoker during the times that I'm using my shop scraps. I, I reserve that for uh, properly seasoned firewood that's in the species I want the smoke to penetrate the food. So at that point, no, uh, anything goes. The only things I don't do, of course, are you know sheet goods, plywood, anything that has finish or glue on it, doesn't make it into the pit even if there's no food there i'd rather not burn that stuff Um, but as far as any clean wood species go yeah it's all it's all good i throw it all in there i'll even throw like two by fours in there if i if i know they're clean
1: oh heck yeah they start fires great yeah they truly ironic when you think about (laughs) how people use what two by fours are used for (laughs) exactly they start great fires i think some of your tropicals may not work real well because they don't catch on fire really easily so mm-hmm. as far as starting a fire using a class a fire rated species may not be the best idea yeah um i found that some of the the really dense woods burn super hot yeah. so like they take a while to light and then like mm-hmm. actually cooking on that fire is a little hard to do because <laughs> well, it's great for starting so up a pit
2: though because you know if you've got yeah. a big ass uh the barbecue and you need to get that whole cook chamber warmed up um yeah. having mm-hmm. those that that burn hot it's it's nice to do that
1: yeah, I I turned a bunch of burgers into hockey pucks really quickly using Sapili one time. <laughs> Whoops. Because it was just so hot.
2: <laughs> well, we had talked about that, I think, when um, I did the big green egg table. And I, I think you and I just had a quick discussion about it not being, it's a wood that just naturally doesn't want to burn uh, that right. easily. So if you're going to surround something like a big green egg with wood, obviously leaving a reasonable air gap between it, um, the Sapili was actually a pretty good choice for that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, just once it catches, you're like,
2: damn, that's hot. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> we cook on the outside of the egg then.
1: Uh, this is from Tamarind Tree. Nice. Very cool. Deep. Um, it says, uh, thanks for keeping the show going. I have a question about using local wood for outdoor furniture. I've been asked to rebuild a rotting garden bench, one of those with cast iron legs and wooden slats for the seat and back. I want to use a wood other than cedar. I was wondering how a local hardwood would hold up what is my best choice if I were to use a local wood like ash, maple, or oak, etc.? Well, ash, maple, or oak, assuming we're talking about red oak, I would not use any of them. Um, I don't really consider any of those to be exterior wood species. Um, White oak is a great exterior wood species. Um, The reason that cedar gets used is cedar is an exterior wood species. Um, Locust, great exterior wood. Um, I, I, we don't know where he is, but I mean, local wood is he's saying ash, maple or oak. I mean, that really could be just about anywhere in this country. Um, the, I mean, yeah, you, you really, you're best using a good exterior wood. You can technically make any wood an exterior wood through finish AKA paint. But uh, I mean, I just feel like you're, you're asking yourself, you know, why is, why do you have a rotten garden bench in the first place? Um, what was it made out of? Was it made out of particularly durable wood? Not so much. So local woods, um, white oak, black locust, Osage Orange, um, Douglas fir. What am I missing? I'm missing some obvious ones. I don't no, know. I mean those are I mean those <laughs> are the local know ones. Know. Certainly there's a whole bunch of tropical ones. Alaskan yellow cedar, that's local ish, depending where you are. Um
3: <clears throat> Alaska.
1: Well, yeah, except the irony is the (laughs) folks in Alaska can't get it because it's all being shipped to the lower 48. (laughs) Same thing with people in like, you know, British Columbia can't get Douglas fir because it's all being shipped down here. Uh, (laughs) Southern yellow pine. That's another good one um, that can be used and certainly a heck of a lot harder than something like cedar. But yeah, if it were me, I would go with white oak.
2: It's a good choice. I like the white oak. Thanks, Mark. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, you know, making you feel good about your recommendation. (laughs) All right. Do you guys know that uh, Rockler makes a half-lap jig? What do you think about that? I did not know that. Did you know that there is a such thing oh. as a half-lap jig? What? My next question was, what is a half-lap jig? What is exactly? A half-lap Yes, let's take it even further. What's a half-lap? <laughs> okay, Rockitannan. Yeah, pretty much. Rockler's new router yeah, table lap. half lap jig is the only jig on the market that makes it possible to easily cut both regular <laughs> half lap joints and even mitered <laughs> half lap joints at the router table. Oh, I'm gonna start calling Tenon's full lap joints, full lap, lap joints. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a thing <laughs> hashtag full lap. I like that. Oh man. Half lap joints boast maximum glue area resulting in an incredibly strong joint. Use the, you should try the full lap versions. Those are strong too. Seriously. Uh, Use (laughs) twice the maximum glue area. Use the miter version for a pleasing appearance on things like picture frames and the square version for more structural frames and ease of assembly. You can find the jig at Rockler stores or at rockler.com. We'll put that link in the show notes. You got to check it out. It almost looks a little bit like a coping sled at first glance. What is this for? Hmm. How you yeah, go this. check it. Let's go put that link.
1: I bet you they I bet you they also have a full
2: lap jig. They,
1: they just call it a tenning, tenning jig, jig.
2: Probably. It's a synonym yeah. for a full lap. Is this for a router table? Or uh, I believe table it's for style. the router. It's for your that's, router table. Cuts both regular half laps and mitered half laps.
3: Oh, that's mitered. Right? For the Sweet. mitered one.
2: That's, that's good. That's real good. I got to watch the, the, the video. The I mean, maybe hour? now's not the time for me to watch this, but I really want to. <laughs>
3: I, mean, I got the next well,
2: wait, got right. the next question. Go ahead, so we're good. I'll, we can keep looking at I'll See at if this. I can't I'll keep I'll them run busy this out. You just like
3: <laughs>
1: just wave, make wave and let me know when you're ready to resume and I'll stop talking okay, go ahead. about that. So um oh yeah, this is about handsaws too. So you know I can keep going. Oh but, uh, this oh is boy. from Ken.
2: <laughs> It'll be a
1: while. <laughs> Distin recently came out with a D8 handsaw in crosscut and rip, and it seems pricey at nearly 300 dollars uh, but it looks like it might truly be a high quality product. Um in terms of a hand tool kit, not for a pure hand tool shop, but more of a hybrid, what are your thoughts on these type of, quote, old style handsaws versus the shorter panel saw? Uh, high quality, more expensive hand planes, chisels, and dovetail saws seem to be well worth their price relative to the alternatives. Do you think the same is true here? Uh, Ken, I do not. I do not think that's the the case. So for a hybrid woodworker, what are you going to use a handsaw for? And, and I use that term in the, in the technical definition of handsaw, meaning a 26-inch long or longer backless saw. The shorter ones, 22 to 24 inches long, are called panel saws. So it's important, or toolbox saws. Um, those shorter guys not only have a shorter, you know, stroke to them, but they usually have a much finer pitch, Because they were meant for working on panels, already planed and milled lumber. You know, four-quarter lumber is going to be a lot thicker than your milled on two sides, possibly seven-eighths or three-quarter inch, somewhat of a finer milled surface. That's why you have a finer-pitched, shorter-stroke panel saw or toolbox saw um the the real hand saw 26 inches like a d8 is traditionally going to be five points per inch in a rip and about eight points per inch in a cross cut that um you need that coarser tooth in order to cut through a thicker lumber or a rough lumber and that's generally what is used for is breaking down rough sawn material so you've got a 12 foot board you need to quickly break it down into you know four foot lengths um that's what i find um these handsaws are fantastic for. So, in the hybrid shop, maybe you might use a jigsaw for that. Using a chop saw can pose a bit of a kickback hazard if it's rough sawn lumber. Certainly, rough sawn lumber and a table saw, big kickback hazard. So, a lot of people will use something like maybe a circular saw. Even that can be a little bit of kickback, reciprocating saw or a jigsaw. For me, I've found that like a traditional D8, eight points per inch crosscut saw will do great work of that. But you also can go to Lowe's or Home Depot and spend 15 bucks on an impulse hardened like cobalt or rigid, you know, dinky little handsaw that has a fancy rubberized grip and it's truly offensive for like the old tool lovers, but it works great and it fits in the trunk of your car and it can quickly break down um break down the wood. I really don't know that in a hybrid shop you're going to get a lot of use out of that handsaw otherwise. You know, um Will you be ripping wood by hand? I don't know a lot of hybrid guys who actually do or plywood. That. Yeah. And that's honestly, a sensible thing to do. Well, And, <laughs> and thank you for saying that, Mark. because if it were plywood, uh-huh. I would not use one of those saws because it's too coarse. I would uh, use different a saw. panel saw or, or I would use a finer pitched hand saw. I have a six mm-hmm. points per inch. 26-inch saw that I specifically use for cutting plywood because I just have that many hand saws that I happen to have a plywood dedicated one. My my you, panel saw, my rip panel saw is 10 points per inch and it leaves a beautiful cut in plywood. Um if I tried to use my 8 point per inch uh 26-inch saw, it would tear up plywood it would destroy that backside. Um, So yeah, I just, I don't know that I could see, I definitely wouldn't spend 300 bucks. I don't think $300 is overpriced. It's very expensive to make a handsaw. Um, Modern manufacturing is just not set up for it anymore. So they're made in small runs these days. 300 bucks is a pretty good deal when you consider like bad axes, I think 500 or close to 500. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not many people out there making full-size handsaws anymore. So it's a great price, but- you could find so many other things to spend money on um, for what you're going to use that software. Sure. You done with good the video deal.
2: mark? I am. Yes. Okay, good. It was extensive. It was like, not just like how it works. It was a whole setup video showing some sample joints. Oh, wow. It is kind of like a coping sled. In a you way. want me to it's keep like, talking? It, it, I get <laughs> No, no, no. I'm done. I can done, talk I'm about the now.
1: history of the distant factory if you want. And
2: uh, let's not do that. Um, <laughs> So it it's got a uh, a thing that rides in a miter slot on a router table, and you integrate a straight bit that kind of gives you a zero clearance. It's a little bit elevated. I mean, it's 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 pretty cool. So anyway, hmm. I'm not going to go through it here, but go check it out. It, it's definitely worth looking into. I got sucked into the build your own router table thing. Oh no! Now it's all over. <laughs> that is that you can get trapped in that thing. You have a, a steel top and everything. Oh, I know. That was the first thing I chose. See, <laughs> th- I knew it. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll take a break from that and, and get this question. I'm shopping. Matt's got to shop. He's configurating.
1: <laughs> Rockler prefers to use I'm the term to, like, configurate. Yep,
3: I'm dreaming over here. You're not shopping. Right, you're table dreaming, baby. shopping cart. There's so many little gadgets and doodads and boppers. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, fine. This is from John. Hi, MSM that's us
2: oh yeah how i didn't follow oh, that I guess. Right away. never mind I all saying, right neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> I i have
3: i pre-figured that one out oh when good i picked the question you're good so smart you. i'm like what the hell is this <laughs> yeah miss him. So i can make you guys look like dumb now <laughs> in a moment it's not hard Matt. and we can forget about when it's I was really low bar really not yeah, hard to get it's over been the prep work <laughs> very proud <laughs> <laughs> all right john uh John says, I recently retired from a full-time job of 26 years, and now I am staying busy in the shop, expanding my woodworking journey. I have the 14-inch Harbor Freight bandsaw, and it's been okay for the past two years to cut softwoods and some hardwoods, but definitely has no ripping power whatsoever. I'm looking for a bandsaw that will do most tasks with no problem, a nice fence, 120 volts, and it won't break the bank entirely, just, you know, a little bit. I know I'm going to have to spend... Some substantial money, but I believe this upgrade would be the most useful in my shop at this time. I'm reaching out to you guys because you seem because it seems that the reviews are all over the place and which brand to go with. Is there a bandsaw out there that I can purchase that has it all without me having to buy a new saw and then turning around and making upgrades to make it better? Help. Help! So you know how much we love doing. Tool which tool should I buy? Questions. Yes. <laughs> so I don't. I'm not going to say which tool to buy because the only one I've used is the Rycon 14. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to tell you this much: that it doesn't matter like which one you buy compared to the saw I'm using right now. It's going to be like a whole nother world of experience of like this saw actually can do stuff for me. So I don't really. I don't know if you need to like worry that much about it like there's a few things you kind of look at to like what which one's best for me like how do you like the fence that it comes with the saw mm-hmm. do you like the guides that's probably the most like important one like what style of guides do you prefer which style of the guides do you like do you like the color um do you the like, colors? that's very important mm-hmm. color is important because if you don't like the color you got to paint it and that's a huge pain in the ass i just did that <laughs> So much work. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do, you know, paint that
2: brand new so much work. saw a different color.
3: I, I swapped the motor in the planer. It took me more time. There's more time invested in paint and decals than there is in swapping the motor in the planer. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow.
2: Good time investment.
3: I, you know what, Mark? All right. Time well spent, my friends. You're the one out there building a the closet for free. <laughs> Not free,
2: it's costing me money. <laughs> it's worse than free. It's expensive. <laughs> okay. I do like your advice here though. Cause I think, uh, I think people sweat this stuff way too much. And I think our, our industry now of influencers and YouTubers and social media has made it all but impossible to get, you know, uh, qualified information about tool brands. It's yeah. really, really hard now. So I can understand the the challenge he has.
1: I just find that, like, if you were to, like, copy and paste the sales literature from, you know, Rikon, Grizzly, Jet, Laguna, the, the four he's mentioned here, and put it, like, side by side in some sort of, like, spreadsheet, you'll find that there'll be, like, the exact same bullet points on every single one.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: And, and you know, they, they've got their own copywriter that maybe slightly changed it. I also love the fact that most of these machines end up being made in the exact same factory. <laughs> yeah. Um literally like the Grizzly line is over here. And then next to it is the Laguna line. They're all assembled in the same place. And, you know, possibly, you know, the, well, I, I joke that Mark's gold powermatic planer is the same as Matt and my green Grizzly planers. (laughs) You know, they're 20 (laughs) inches. It's not green anymore, right? right, Fair enough. Different color now. But, you know, Mark's, <laughs> Mark's has a U.S. made Baldur motor in it and mine has a, you know. So does so mine now. It's got, right.
3: got a U.S. made Lisa. Right. So look Matt. at him. Look at that guy.
1: <laughs> Mine's <laughs> painted green and yours is painted gold. So I just wonder, like, is it does it really make that big of a difference? I feel like you're going to do some upgrades anyway. Like for me, having a good fence on my, my saw made a big deal. So like, and this is dating myself quite a ways, so I don't know even what's on the market. But like, I put a Craig fence on my Grizzly saw, and it it definitely made a huge difference. Uh, I probably could have built a shop made fence that could have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's some little things like, but I, I don't know. I feel like the 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 tables are all about the same size. Mm-hmm. They all have the same tilt. They all have a fence,
2: <laughs> you know. I do think you're a, right, though. The fence is huge. Like if there's, yeah, and a lot of these companies thankfully have gotten on board with the fact that a lot of people like an aluminum two position fence. So you got the nice tall mm-hmm. side, you got the short side. So if you know if it doesn't come with one of those, then you're gonna have to do what Shannon said and mm-hmm. upgrade to an aftermarket. So that's at least one parameter to look for. Look for a good quality fence for sure. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> so we got a. So fence and guides. Is I think so. Decide? Fence and guides and it stay fence with a reputable guides. brand and it's going to be fine. And, and don't uh, go into analysis paralysis with reviews because you know how it goes. You're going to read. It's the worst thing you could do. Like people who get a tool and then read reviews and then get, you know, angry about it. Right. Because <laughs> they're just looking for that well, validation. I, like you don't want to be that guy.
1: Fence guides and a blade. Like you're going to have to buy a blade. Like the factory blade <laughs> is going to suck. <laughs> Oh, okay, probably about the not going to a good
2: experience with the factory blade. I oh, thought you were um, just speaking so, generally. Like you're going to need a yeah. blade, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it cuts better. It's a lot safer without one. Yeah. but it cuts better with. One. <laughs> it oh. Doesn't
2: do much. It's a good point. <laughs> oh crap! Okay. <laughs> so I got a question from Chris. Chris uh, says, a few months ago, I bought some Rubio Monocoat to use on a project. I love the way it turned out. However. A day or two after the, uh, using the finish, I broke out in hives on my arms and legs. I went to the doctor. They told me that it was probably a medication I was on. Next project, I decided to finish with the Rubio. Love the finish. However, I broke out in hives again. Went to the doctor again, and it appears that I'm allergic to something in Rubio. I love the way the hard wax oil finish looked and the ease of application. However, I can't use Rubio. I was wondering how similar, different the ingredients are between Rubio and and a competitor like Osmo. It was difficult for me to find the ingredients in Rubio or Osmo through a Google search. Thanks very much. Love listening to the podcast. Y'all are awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. You're awesome too. Except for those hives. They look nasty. Get them taken care of. Yeah. Is it the off gassing? That well, did it, or was it like or was he you drinking touch it? It
1: Or or like rolling rolling on on while it was wet? Yeah,
2: Yeah, we not not we do a <laughs> like a little bit of 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 a little bit yeah yeah. little bit like that sounds so messy and like, yeah, aside from yeah. the, there yeah. being potential safety concerns, it's just gross. <laughs> right. Like I have
1: such baby soft
2: hands. Who wants to touch that? Yeah. I don't want to ruin this manicure. Come on.
3: Yeah.
2: So I think, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know for sure what's happening here, but you're, I think clearly you've identified it. There are finishes that some of us are more sensitive to than others. One thing you might be looking at here though, Rubio is a two-part mixture. Um, it's basically got the big can of the oil and wax and then there's a hardener. The hardener across the board on these two-part finishes, this is what my hard wax oil test is, is kind of showing, um, every single one of them uses the same chemical as the hardener. It's a, a variation of a diisocyanate. Um, that is the mm. active ingredient in there and that alone can be a sensitizer. That could be something that that thing alone could be the thing causing you a problem. Now, Osmo, sorry, Rubio can be used without the hardener. It works better with it. It is a little bit more durable with it and it dries faster with it, but it can be used without it. Not that I want you to (laughs) self-experiment when it comes to your health, but I would be curious to know if you used Rubio without the hardener, if you saw the same reaction. So, I wouldn't want you to do it. Let do me know the results when you do. <laughs> 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 but I don't think you should. But go ahead and do it anyway. I mean, just use it a little. Maybe you'll just get a few hives. It won't be just a big a little deal. Little, just put a little, yeah. little dab on your shoulder. So sometimes. I think any of these finishes that that have the two-part mixture like that, you may very well have a problem with if that truly is the thing that's causing your problem. So if you go to something like Osmo... Different different formulation. Um, Osmo does now make a competitor for Rubio that also includes a diisocyanate hardener that most of their products don't though. Uh, most of their products have a little bit of a VOC content. They've got some solvents in there, and it's a different formulation. I can't tell for sure that you would be allergic or not, but I do think if they, from what I know of Rubio being fairly uh, simple formula, I do think if you went to Osmo, my guess is you probably would not necessarily have. Another reaction. It is different enough that I think you're rolling the dice again to try something different. I think if you go to any of these other competitors to Rubio that do something very you know, similar with a two part mixture, I, I would guess you're probably going to have the same exact reaction. So give Osmo a try. Um, there are other brands that are just single component finishes that are similar in that hard wax oil family. Give those a shot. See what you think. Osmo has a very wide range of products. So it kind of depends on what you're using. But if you're just going to use like their Pollux standard formula, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, I, I like it. Go ahead and try that and see if that's any better for you. Do you guys ever have a finish reaction like that? Anything? Any kind of finish? No. I mean, a lot. It just depends on your, you know. Your body chemistry. Well, all the reaction I've had is, oh my God, it looks so good. That's that's my finishing reaction.
3: <laughs> that looks, that looks so good. <laughs> look at that wood pop. Oh my God, look at that. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's, that's the reaction I normally have. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> all <Okay>. right. That's <laughs> the Finishing master. Poop, poop, poop. Look at that crotch. All that armor seal going through cans of it. Oh, like I have used a lot over the years. Like it's nobody's business. You know, they have a hard wax oil now, General Finishes. I don't want. I it. saw that. Yeah, garbage. I don't want that crap. I don't want that crap. It's still it's still a hard wax oil, <laughs> but you know, I still got a half a gallon of Endurovar to get through. I'm good. <laughs> good to go. Well, you finish three projects a year, so that'll last you a while. All right. Anyway, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> You're too busy on your little on your little bicycle. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, Shannon. You're gonna get your new seat. You have one of those that got the recall.
1: Uh, no, my bike's older than that. Is it? It's like a generation yeah.
2: older than that. Yeah, oh, I've, crap.
1: I've got the OG. Yeah, that was the first thing I looked at. Is um, no, nope. oh, okay,
2: so you're nope. but safe.
1: Good for you. Yeah, my, my, my Peloton is like from
2: 2017. Yeah, <laughs> okay,
1: it's a, all right, early. Very nice. <laughs> the, the seat problems Eight-ish. I might have just because of the fact that I've ridden like 4,000 rides on it. That's the, <laughs> it's just that old. the bigger issue. Yeah,
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler is everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit Rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over 49 bucks. And remember to head to Rockler.com WOODTALK to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card.
1: Wow, good stuff. Well, you know what also can have you break out in hives? That's not submitting a question for the Wood Talk Show. (gasps) It might happen. So if you want to break out in hives, go send us your question at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or fill out the form over on woodtalkshow.com. Don't be the only one who's getting hives because you didn't submit your question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just going to go ahead right now and apologize to Chris for uh, making fun of his ailment. That's, that's
2: yeah, kind of mean. For his little itchies.
1: Yeah. His owies. But maybe they now went away because he submitted a question. So let us know. Let us know okay. if that cured it.
2: Yep. That's the cure. Submitting questions. Good idea. I like horrible cure. that. Good play. All right. Well, thank right. you for listening, everybody. We'll see you Have next time. Have a great time. July, people. We'll see you in August. Yeah. We'll Bye-bye. see you in a month. Oh, yeah. Yikes. Goodbye. Peace out. Maybe forever. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> You never know.
1: <laughs> Matt loves his <laughs> listeners. Thank you for support. Goodbye. <laughs> maybe forever.
2: Maybe <laughs> forever.
3: Get me out of here.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.